0: Okay. Hi guys. Welcome back to Stargirl. It's Emma. Today is Saturday, November 12th, 2022. Um, so today we're going to be joined by one of my closest friends and she's going to be talking to us about Mitski and you guys are going to love Molly. She's the best. She's incredibly articulate and beautiful and she's just, she's all the right things. So, um, I'm really excited to have her on. Um, but I just want to check in about a couple things before she gets here. (laughs) Um, so number one, um, there was an article in Vogue this week. Basically Addison recently started working with this stylist called Ryan Hastings and weaving together quotes from him and her and some other um, designers that they've recently worked with and kind of painting this mini portrait of um, Addison starting to be more interested in fashion and take herself and her fashion more seriously and just um, turn out a bunch of great looks. Uh, Not going to go too deep into the specifics of it, but I just was excited to see it. And I think we've been, you know, kind of noting um, over the past couple of months, um, this evolution that Addison is undergoing and um, I think for a while certainly when I recorded my episode about her it was you know she felt very adrift and we weren't really sure where she was going what she was headed toward um, right because as she was like shedding these layers of sorority seeming cheerleader seeming um, she had first gotten together with Omer and she was experimenting with this kind of darker energy but it did it wasn't landing and it felt very lost and awkward and kind of just sad I guess in some ways um, you know, but she kept at it and she kept, um, getting herself involved with, uh, people who have a vision and have, um, she's been doing a lot of experimental stuff with like small photographers and small designers. Um, and she's so, she's such a good model in so many ways. So, um, it's been cool to see that. And I guess just cool, you know, to see people taking note of that little by little. And, um, there's been a lot A lot of people have been endeared toward her and interested in her in the past couple of months and then I think to see this Vogue article just made me happy to like see her getting kind of recognition and to see people taking her seriously Um, and to see like I think she's as close as she's ever been to unlocking like her full potential and power, right? So she always had this confidence and this comfortability with her body and in front of the camera, but you know the uh the styling of her felt very uh just kind of pedestrian and kind of trashy and just like I think it was easy to write her off right feel like she's just um yeah as close as she's ever been to realizing her full potential and um I'm just excited to see people taking note of her I guess The main thing is that Julia was just on Emily Ratajkowski's podcast, right? As one of the first guests. So, um, but what's really hilarious about it is I had just been talking about how to compare them, you know, like Emily Ratajkowski, she's kind of really trying to play ball, but she can't really hang with Julia, even though she is like really committed to seeing them as tethered, as she says, and in some ways they are, but it's just very funny because it's like, it's almost comparing like an alley cat, Julia, to like, a very well-kept uh house cat who like one time randomly like got locked out of the house and like got lost for a little bit you know and so Emily's kind of being like oh yeah I'm done with the streets and Julia's like yeah me too and it's like but Emily you were like barely there you know what I mean so um it's kind of funny um but actually let's see if you guys can hear this yeah
1: yeah 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 Hey, it's Emrata, a.k.a. Emily Ratajkowski. You probably have some ideas about me. Maybe you've read my best-selling book of
0: essays. Yes, I did, and it gave me nightmares. Um, okay, anyways, the music is so weird, and they play it so often throughout the show. It's really off. But another thing is that I actually now, from here, I guess i live listened to interviews with her before, but... Oh, Molly's here. Okay, wait, i got to go get her. Anyways, I was just going to say that she... Um, she actually says her name Emrata, which is so funny because I always used to call her Rat when she was on like annoying behavior and like whatever. Okay. Okay. Molly's here. We'll be right back. Okay. Bye.
2: this is Molly's microphone.
0: Okay, so everybody, Molly's here. Welcome.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so cute. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so yeah, Molly is here today to talk to us about Mitski and in a lot of ways, I think, explain sad girls to us.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm the resident sad girl expert.
0: <laughs> and she's also a therapist. Can I say that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's also a therapist, so I think you will help a, you'll bring a lot of, like, insight and, like, psychological mm-hmm. knowledge, and then I think you can both, like, temper any tendencies I have of psychological overreach <laughs> and also give a go-ahead. I will like... probably
2: be exacerbating that tendency. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll probably be yeah. enabling it and
0: supporting it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, today we're going to be talking about Mitski. Do mm-hmm. you want to give an overview of who she is?
2: Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so, Mitski, she is, I mean, I don't even know what genre I would place her in. Do you
0: feel like you have insight into that? So she's, so, she, so Mitsuki's a musician. <laughs> she's a musician. I guess like the way that she's described is like indie rock. Yeah. But that fails to encompass it all. And also I think situates her in a lineage that is not quite right also. yeah, I feel yeah. like if we're
2: discussing just her her persona or her space at large in terms of how people view her, certainly she is maybe the peak of the kind of sad girl artists. Yeah. And um, obviously I will be arguing that she is the best and also it's individuated from that in Mm -hmm. a way that's special. Um, But I think that people see her as some sort of icon of the outsiders in, Mm -hmm. you know, in a a particularly sad girl flavored
0: way. Mm -hmm. I think also to help situate her is like the time period in which she was most popular. So yeah. I think, you know, she has like six albums or so mm-hmm. out. Her real popularity is like between 2016 and 2019, I
2: feel like. Yeah, I would say that with, was probably the peak
0: of her widespread popularity. Yeah, like beginning with Puberty 2 and then... Yeah, and then Be the Cowboy. And then Be the Cowboy was like... That song, Nobody, yeah. was in like every store you went into in Brooklyn. For like. Okay, okay. But yeah, we can say indie rock as the crude label which we will interrogate and Mm -hmm. 2016 to 2019 as like height of her popularity. As a height of her popularity. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another thing maybe before we fully dive in is like to talk about how we came to her as a uh, subject for Stargirl. Sure. Um, I remember when I first When I first propositioned you, (laughs) um, uh, you were like, oh, okay, I could do that. I have a lot of thoughts about Mitsuki, but is she a Stargirl?
2: Yeah, and I'm still unsure about that because I think if we're looking at Stargirl in terms of a character who both evokes a specific dream and then also is in some way threatening. I have much less to say about in what way Mitski is threatening. Yeah. And I think it exists, but I had to dig for that a little bit more. For me, it's very clear what dream she evokes. But I also think a, a fundament- or an essential part of the dream she evokes is sort of being characterless mm. and not in the public eye or necessarily intentionally evoking some sort of character for herself. Yeah, um, And it seems I think she's done that more as she becomes more popular. And to me, it seems a little bit inorganic for her. Uh-huh. Um, Which I think you know she she ostensibly struggles with fame a lot, so I think that that sort of supports that idea that it her rise into the public eye feels sort of awkward and incoherent. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, I agree with that. And to go back to what you said about like having clarity around the dream or dreams she represents, but less so about the threat. I think Mm -hmm. something that maybe like in comparison to basically all of the other girls I've talked about so far, she's not like a capital C controversial figure, right? And so I think that I have a lot to say about the threat I think she um, represents, though I'm very open to that just being a personal problem. (laughs) Well, yeah, though. But um, also I think that she, she came to my mind as a star girl because I think she, despite having a lot of contemporaries in her genre, like she's compared to a lot of people, I think that she is unique and rises to the top of that absolutely. Genre. I would definitely agree. So with that. she's peerless, quote unquote, in yeah. that right that she's like the best of a type.
2: Yeah, and I think the the best of a type certainly in my mind the most authentic of a type. Mm-hmm. Um and I think authenticity will probably is also or the the sort of questioning or interrogation of her on t- authenticity by her fans is maybe what I view was the most threatening okay. thing about her and we can I think that we probably have different ideas about why she might be threatening Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that
0: okay cool um so mitsuki is 32 i think now she was born in japan to a japanese mother and american father and something i did not know until researching this was that her dad worked for the state department and so she spent a lot of her youth like she lived in a ton of different countries Mm -hmm. um and i think that knowing that although now now might be confirmation bias kind of gave fuel to a thought I had which is about kind of her placelessness Mm -hmm. as a figure and um artist even though she's kind of intensely preoccupied with American suburbia yeah
2: yeah. um
0: and I had always just thought okay probably she like grew up in the suburbs of in Massachusetts or something and then it's like oh she actually was kind of this particular tier of like uh global elite or if not elite just like placeless. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Kind of... No, it is funny because I do think especially when you just said the suburbs of Massachusetts that <laughs> rings very true to me being from those suburbs myself, but I think you know when I imagine what Mitski ultimately evokes it's like a teenage girl in a house lonely surrounded by like dark trees, the climate that I grew up in, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that it is interesting that she's not from there and I I probably would imagine that if I were just to guess.
0: Totally. I mean, she went to college in the States.
2: Yeah, she went to SUNY Purchase. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And I think she had a band there. She did. Um, Yeah.
0: Oh, wait, I put the voice coils. Voice coils. (laughs) Yeah. I I know
2: nothing about this. It's funny because I feel like there is, and I haven't read this anywhere, but I'm aware that there's all of this Mitzki lore about essentially how sort of conniving she actually was and like not good to work with. Like apparently she screwed a lot of people over when she was first coming up and when she was first coming up rising to the top so I think that is an interesting I mean I honestly don't really care because that's just not how I'm related to her how I'm relating to her but I think that the idea of her authenticity is questioned when people find out about her work practices which are sort of notoriously bad
0: wait what What are (laughs) that's the thing
2: I don't even know I just know that she has apparently screwed people over um actually so I well Like I she's know.
0: really like business minded or something and kind Yeah of, and kind okay. of like cutthroat. I okay. Think.
2: Um she Well I
0: do know she has kind of like workhorse uh yeah, persona, even as an artist diligent. too. Absolutely. Very diligent, like zero vices. Yeah.
2: Even when she came to my school, um my or should I get into this now? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So um I actually met Mitski in around two thousand thirteen. Um because my roommate at the time, Amy was the uh she was the booker for the like i don't know group that booked sort of more alternative bands at tufts and had a lot of basement shows and this was right after bury me at makeout creek so sort of when minsky was becoming a little bit on the map but wasn't had not risen to the popularity that she is now so no one really knew her but people were kind of starting to know her and so she came and stayed at our off-campus house and um basically hung out with amy amy took her to the dining hall and she was just famously very rude like apparently you know she didn't uh you know like we paid for her uber and she didn't say thank you and like the way that she was trying to negotiate was just extremely cutthroat and sort of just I don't know. Apparently she's essentially just not a very nice person.
0: That's interesting because I feel like her so much of her persona is about her uncomfortability with like fame and yeah. connection despite longing for it kind of and her like uh withdrawn, sad, awkward kind of persona. So Absolutely. do you feel like it was coming from that place or she was actually just being a diva?
2: I don't know, it's hard <laughs> to say. I mean, it could be it could be anything. I I just have heard sort of through the grapevine a lot of stories about her being sort of notoriously just kind of bad to work with okay. and um and cutthroat so i have no reason not to believe that i feel like i don't care because i care more <laughs> about just you know separate art from the artist whatever like i i like the dream that she's evoking and i don't really care if it's authentic i think yeah. the dream itself is very strongly evoking authenticity mm-hmm. so i understand why fans might feel betrayed mm, when they find yeah. out certain details like a lot of mitski's Work is about longing and loneliness and it's sort of like longing for a boyfriend, longing to be loved. And then I remember finding out that actually Mitski has allegedly and I don't even I have not fact checked this, but allegedly has had the same partner since she was 19 years old. So all of this idea of her kind of like sitting alone longing nobody loves me seems not on the surface perhaps true mm, in terms yeah. of the way that she portrays it but then Which she, she does get doesn't it. even really matter and i don't care she that's
0: because she can so convincingly exactly like get into that headspace and like exactly create that exactly but, let's see um oh well okay whatever we talked about her whatever going to college yeah <laughs> yeah and she was like signed on the on the label dead oceans of like bright eyes tallest man on earth phoebe bridger's japanese breakfast do you feel like phoebe bridger's and japanese breakfast and maybe saint vincent are like mm-hmm. the other people she's compared to the most
2: i that sounds right i think angel olsen i think yeah is maybe yeah. for me i mean there's kind
0: of the an endless lineage of the you know the yeah people, but like julian baker even like snail mail like there's right. like it kind of just tumbles out yeah totally. it,
2: it does and i i think that you know for me the closest in in terms of just evocativeness is angel olsen mm. i think saint vincent there's more like relevant comparisons just because Saint Vincent's also sort of priestly and ethereal or yeah, something yeah has this
0: oracle yeah. kind of vibe um
2: whereas you know i think Phoebe Bridgers for me is, like farther away in yeah. terms of accurate comparison
0: yeah um i agree with that um, wait, maybe I'll just put a pin in that because I have, like, a lot to say about yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that direct comparison. Totally. Too. Um, but other high-level stuff. I guess it's maybe of note that she's not on social media. Yeah, so like when we're going to, like, discuss her self-portrayal. Yeah. So her, like, the accounts on Instagram and Twitter, Mitski leaks, are all run by her manager. Mm-hmm. And then, but then, like, not infrequently, the caption will be, like, a quote from Mitski. And then the, like, from Mitski directly. And, you know, So yeah. you get these little, like, morsels of her directly engaging yeah and they they're they feel so valuable because they're so few and far between
2: totally yeah. and I'm not really um, I don't follow her social media too closely because generally it is fairly bland and yeah it's just sort of images of her at concerts so I'm yeah. probably usually missing a lot of those morsels but my impression is that with a few exceptions they're like fairly bland they're fairly offensive. they're fairly yeah. bland
0: and okay wait maybe another thing is you were saying earlier like interesting for you to be coming on this podcast because you're not in general as kind of invested in like you don't get so wrapped up in like parasocial stuff. Yeah definitely
2: I think that for me when kind of going back to when you asked me to be on Stargirl my immediate thought was oh okay I mean maybe but I don't know if I'm the right person because I don't think I have one obvious parasocial relationship that helps define my life in the way of maybe like Callie and, uh, and Alison Roman, et cetera. Yeah. Um, when you suggested Mitski, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe. And then it seemed very natural to start talking about Mitski and start talking about, or thinking about what Mitski means to me. And I think that the reason why, part of why I feel connected to her, or there's some sort of intimacy that I feel, if not actually a parasocial relationship,
0: mm-hmm.
2: is maybe her lack of presence. Like, yeah. I think any any sort of presence or portrayal or, like, a reach to create parasocial relationships on the part of the celebrity just feels, I mean, obviously very fake. It's just, for some reason, I can't suspend the disbelief necessary
0: to buy into it. It's so interesting Mm because I feel almost exactly the opposite, that I can't suspend the disbelief necessary to believe in the crafted distancing from one's audience. Yeah. And I don't know, like, you know, the root of both of those tendencies, but for me not that it's necessarily that I'm so preoccupied with the question of whether or not it's authentic but the like the distancing feels somehow more narcissistic to me than just engaging with like I don't like when people feel too good for their fans if they're creating art you know right Well, it is
2: confusing because I think that you know the first time I actually saw Mitski in person performing was when she came to my college and Mm -hmm. was performing like, literally in a basement. Yeah. Um, And she was really bad as a performer at that point. Yeah. And at this point, I loved her music. I loved Bury Me at Makeout Creek. But she didn't sound good performing it. She was not... It's clear that she's not a natural performer yeah. to me. And I think that that's why the sort of glamorization of Mitski as she's risen in fame feels to me just kind of awkward and not authentic to who she is. Yeah. I think it sort of makes sense... I think that you have a part of you that feels like a performer mm-hmm. and sort of that feels natural and then for me i'm really not a natural performer and so i just relate to that more yeah if that makes sense yeah. but neither of them are like fake impulses i think yeah. it's just we tend to see something so different
0: than us as kind of fake totally and just like obviously a truth about the world is that we're like drawn to people who we see a part of ourselves in. yeah absolutely. so we want to be like oh let's like root for this quality that i have and maybe that I feel self-conscious of and to see it, like, so well-received by the public is, like, encouraging, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. The other thing that I was going to say, and this may be related to a natural, like, performative impulse that I have, but I think, like, uh, a factor on my rubric, unconscious Mm -hmm. or not, when I'm considering art and artists, is, like, performance value. And that's Mm. just, like, something that I've always... When I think about like, okay, what are the things that unite the people that I'm most drawn to, the artists that I'm most drawn to, it's always a sense of like command of space and like stage presence, whatever that quote unquote stage could be. So I think that's just like, that's a lens through which I'm evaluating Mm -hmm. art in general. That's so
2: interesting. I think for me, it's just, that's not at all, even Mm -hmm. a part of my rubric. Um, Yeah. And it's not, I think that you have sort of a more rich perception of embodiment if that makes sense or you you really look at that as a part of the way that you assess someone Mm, and for me it's just it's like a type of art form that I don't even consider and analyzing if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah I think I mean a lot of people I think would argue that that's not an art form you know and so I don't know whether or not it's there's artistry involved in self present because that can border on just like performance art you know which is like right. so the conversation around spectacle and performance art like when that enters the conversation um for instance with people like Julia Fox I'm just like wholly not interested like no I don't think you having a relationship with your paparazzi photographer and wearing obscene things like I'm not comfortable classifying that as art. What feels more mm-hmm. artful to me is your, like... In the most basic form, like, the way that people carry themselves. Yeah. You no, know? the way that people carry themselves. Yeah, yeah. I really... And I
2: think that you value embodiment and see that as a sort of art, and which is, I think, something unique to Stargirl's
0: analysis. Yeah. Okay, well, thank- I'm going to take that as a big <laughs> You should. I love when you, like... Uh when you when you unconsciously end up stating your capital V values mm-hmm. over and over again and then without real and then they like someone's like it seems like you care about this and it's like and you're oh, like I oh i do yeah. i really care yeah. <laughs> like,
2: thank you for telling me but Sometimes <laughs> you need a reflection
0: Yeah, that's my do. job as a therapist <laughs> yeah. um when you were saying um so much of mitski's lyrics are about longing and wanting connection and wanting romance and wanting like i think another part of it's like wanting a voyeur yeah, too. I think so too. Do you know what I, I mean? mean, I think
2: obviously the song, oh my God, what's it called? It's in her album Lush, the earlier album. I think liquid Smooth. I always feel like was
0: she's like, just like, I'm at my prime. I'll never be this ripe. Like, I need someone yeah. to touch me. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, I will, this is disappearing. I'm anxious about mm-hmm. seeing this disappear in front of me or deteriorate in front of me. Like, and yeah. I just need someone to witness it. Yes. And I think Wanting that's a, witness. a very yeah. feminine space and feeling and idea. Yeah. of you know being born into sort of this realm of voyeurism where like that is your that is your value being seen is entirely and sort of inextricably a part of your value
0: totally yeah yeah well to your maybe this may or may not be interesting but when you're talking about her having a long-term boyfriend despite Mm -hmm. the which you wouldn't pick up on from her lyrics I do think that that desperation and I don't even mean that in a like patronizing way but that desperation to be witnessed mm-hmm. is not something that is ever quite satisfied whether or not you have a boyfriend that's true or, do you know what i mean I like, it is an unfulfillable
2: it, desire it's, exactly yeah yeah insatiable yeah i think that's true so i guess that feeds into the argument of who cares if mitski is a boyfriend or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally mm-hmm.
0: um okay well should we just maybe dive into yeah let's
2: dive in yeah so what does mitski represent um I have strong feelings on this Mm -hmm. um I don't know that I mean I think that some of them are fairly obvious and also I think some of them have changed as she's become more famous and changed her vibe a little bit Mm -hmm. or at least glamorized her vibe so I think that it make I want to you know ground all of it or limit all of this by saying that when I'm talking about Mitski I'm talking about the Mitski that I came to love which I feel like is sort of between the years of, I don't know, like 2013, 2014, and maybe 2018. Okay, and so then like
0: pre-Be the Cowboy.
2: Pre-Be the Cowboy. I think Be the Cowboy was the last moment that I was interested in Mitski. And then even just the shift from sort of the passiveness in a way that Mitski embodied to Be the Cowboy obviously, uh, you know, entails some sort of stepping into power. And obviously, that is fine, but it's not... The Mitski that I'm the most interested in, mm-hmm. if that it doesn't seem like what Mitski really captures for me. Yeah. Um. So that was the last. So that is to say that for I'm mostly talking about who Mitski was and what she represented when she was doing everything before bury me at Makeout Creek and then bury me at Makeout Creek and then puberty 2 mm-hmm. and then just a little bit be the cowboy and okay. then it's sort of who knows what's going on after that for me. We released her. I released that. her. Yeah. From from my crafts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so for me, Minsky really represents broad scale in some way adolescence and everything that that represents and entails in terms of like longing, romance, almost sort of indulgently so. Mm-hmm. Um, the state of sort of being at the whim of your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to add anything to that? Or
0: Those are just um, some
2: adjectives. I mean, her music's very operatic, kind of ghostly. We'll get into that. But I feel like those are the main adjectives I would attach off the bat.
0: Maybe let's talk about the adolescence first. OK, Here
2: yeah. Ado- Mitski Midi- and adolescence. So I don't, this is a huge theme for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everything that about <laughs> <laughs> adolescence, adolescence is a
0: huge theme for me. I,
2: in fact, am still
0: spiritually an adolescent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's
0: like, I actually it's like Lolita looms very large. large. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: In fact, I will have embodied this forever and cling to this. <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally, I'm still an adolescent. Um, Mitski, obviously, so the two album titles Puberty 2 and Bury Me at Makeout Creek gesture very explicitly towards adolescence. Even in Be the Cowboy, um, there's that song, I think it's called Two Slow Dancers. And it's like, it smells like a school gymnasium in here. And the scene is sort of that they're older than high school age but they're like having a slow dance in a school gym Mm -hmm. and sort of there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of I don't know sort of wistfulness Mm -hmm. and time passing etc um so obviously very many of her most famous songs make explicit gestures to that time of life
0: yeah and also just the melodrama of that time of life you know exactly
2: and that's the thing I think that her lyrics are so concerned with sensation Mm -hmm. and longing in almost this kind of bursting way Mm -hmm. um and then her voice is just so beautiful and her lyrics are also so poetic and and gorgeous to me Mm -hmm. and then you know there's a complex and interesting score all of that together sort of elevates what might otherwise be viewed as sort of corny or um, melodramatic in a tasteless way. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's elevated into art by the way Mitski does it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, let's
0: see. I'm like trying to. Yeah, I can also so much. Just keep it's going. all yeah. it's all just like so all related. And then I'm just like, wait, should I bring it up now? Or I, know, I don't know. I can just keep going. But I think yeah. that to the kind of like intolerable melodrama mm-hmm. of it. So I definitely agree that particularly because to my mind of the like orchestral elements especially in the first two albums and like the score of it as you put it like that that to me is what brings her lyrics out of a just like corny melodramatic indulgent space because I think like when I actually zero in on the lyrics themselves even though they are as you said very beautiful and poetic that fills me with a sense of kind of like eye roll and indulgence and then when it's all drawn t- together with the score and with the like um I mean her voice is so be- it's like a songbird you know what I mean the wi- like yeah, and it has so much when you listen to her next to a lot
2: of the other artists that we've mentioned like yeah. Phoebe Bridgers or I think her voice is just so much has so much more depth right yeah well like, it's
0: so much more like otherworldly yeah i like, think like, all of these i mean there's so many elements that make for example phoebe Bridgers and japanese breakfast seem much more um like just a like a chick you know or yeah. a chick, you know a chick and you like know she really sure. seems like she's like from another realm in some ways and i think her voice is a big thing that contributes to that but mm-hmm. um uh, oh and also the just like the dissonance of her melodies yeah as opposed to like a phoebe Bridgers or japanese breakfast song you like know where it's going and I think like when you're listening to Mitski for the first time or even just revisiting th- like I was listening to Lush this past week which I haven't listened to in like years and years and I'm like oh that actually is surprising me you know yeah no definitely
2: and, um, I think a lot of her songs are surprising and I think even as she has grown as an artist it's become more and more surprising
0: yeah um wait I was gonna say something else about the like about the adolescence um oh well one thing that you brought up to me was like what some She's interested in adolescence and the feelings that come with it is that you feel like she successfully actually transports back to that headspace that's very like magical almost, where like yeah, yeah. I don't know, like more I about think
2: that. that um adolescence certainly psychologically is, forgive me, a sort of liminal time mm-hmm. in the sense that you're still <laughs> connected to um sort of that magic brain of being a child where everything feels a little bit surreal, you don't quite have a firm grasp on the logic of you know time and space right where you're
0: still really relying on your senses but now you have these like faculties with which to explain it or attempt to sort it kind of and so it's um
2: yeah so it's sort of that combined with obviously just raging hormones and Mm -hmm. feelings and combined with you know the teenage brain is very interior the Mm. teenagers actually can't sort of see other people's perspectives Mm. as much as in very literal ways like they can't even imagine there's all these studies about this and we don't need to go into them. But the point is that I think that the Mitski's music is to me very interior in the sense that it's sort of storyless. It's kind of just a patchwork of sensations a lot of times. And that makes it feel very interior to me. Um, And I think that that for me, transports back into that teenage headspace where it's sort of magical. You don't, you haven't lived enough life to really understand how to, understand how to even place your experiences as
0: mm.
2: part of you can't of, really
0: categorize them and figure out how to proceed
2: yeah and so they feel so overwhelming yeah. and grand you don't sort of learn oh th- this is the ebb and flow of emotions and this is the ebb and flow of life you're just like oh my god mm-hmm. um and you know teenage love obviously it's sort of, that's sort of the height of what people feel and as you get older there's sort of this grad gradual and ultimately ultimately necessary sort of numbing Mm -hmm. of emotion which I mean as life gets harder and we experience more I think there's something adaptive about the fact that our feelings numb out a little and yeah but I think that what Mitski does for me is really bring bring you back into that headspace of that just like unabashed grandeur and with with none of the self-consciousness that comes from growing older and from realizing that that's actually kind of embarrassing to be
0: to be that way you know yeah well it's interesting because I think like as a consumer like the her music is I you feel nostalgic as a consumer of it for that time and that headspace and that um, the availability of um, indulgence just in and of itself I guess you know and the lack of self-awareness around indulgent behavior Mm -hmm. but I don't think that her music is nostalgic like she feels like she's just occupying that headspace not longing for that headspace again absolutely like she just
2: actually is in that headspace yeah so i think
0: that's um kind of difficult to do you would think i don't know yeah i think so too
2: i would i would imagine that it is difficult to just completely recreate that in a way that doesn't even feel explicitly like a project but just feels really i mean organic yeah
0: yeah Um, another thing that while we're just on the topic of like teenage liminal space and whatever shadowiness is um, just you had brought up something interesting about yeah Yeah, I I think it's so
2: funny because Mitski herself I think is pretty outspoken about not wanting to represent any particular space like she doesn't want to be seen as an Asian American artist she's also you know American but not really she grew up all over the place Um, and I would never argue that what comes into her music is intentional, Mm -hmm. but what her music, wait, intentional, um, on the part, you know, intentional by her. Like, I don't think it's her project to, let's say, and I think if anything, kind of like what you said, her music feels very American in terms of embodying this sort of suburban existence. Well,
0: the images of it are all like American suburbia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. So I think that's very true you know once or twice like in first love late spring she does bring in some japanese lyrics mm-hmm. um, i think that this the way that she the imagery that she portrays sort of the adolescent girl feels and whether or not this is sort of intentional on her part feels sort of japanese to me in the sense of i mean just from pop culture etc we all know that the adolescent girl holds a primaries sort or of space in Japanese culture mm-hmm. and is and very Japanese media and just uh, yeah. and Japanese media. I mean, um, and the Japan, the, the, the uh, teenage girl is often, um, I don't know in this, obviously, you know, a little bit sexualized somewhat. And then there's also sort of this and, and also kind of cute, but then there's also sort of often this boundary between life and death or mm-hmm. sort of, the, the teenage girl embodies some sort of mysterious and shadowy space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, I think, you know, even in just like every Miyazaki film, you can see that. Yeah, but, totally. you know, I could think of a million examples also in, you know, in Murakami books, it, in all of just the most popular Japanese media, and then even digging into that. And I think this is kind of an ancient thing in Japanese media or literature, etc. cetera. Um, that is to say that, you know, a lot of Mitsuki's imagery and sort of the ghostliness combined with that teenage girlhood just reminds me of that and feels very powerful to me mm-hmm. um, because I think it does sort of very naturally overlap with the sort of magical time that teenagehood is but also this sort of drive towards darkness mm-hmm. You know, it, it, at once she talks about teenagehood and that and you know we associate that with maybe cuteness but she's so she takes it so seriously I think like it's very grave almost and I think she's more concerned with something like the death drive there yeah okay in a way
0: did you want to talk about that essay that you had read in college about
2: oh yeah I mean I feel like (laughs) I was desperately trying to find this essay that that I read in a, a Japanese visual culture class about the teenage girl that sort of um supported a lot of a lot of what i'm saying about Mm -hmm. the role of the teenage girl in japan and that 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 figure being historically throughout in japanese media culture one that is shadowy and Mm -hmm. sort of embodies this liminal space between life and death you know it's obviously the death of childhood the birth of something else and for whatever reason that you know within the teenage girl there is so much vulnerability Mm -hmm. and i think um that is what makes that that role so compelling I think Mitski's music is intensely vulnerable and Mm -hmm. the lyrics are very raw and sometimes very dark and very unselfconscious in a way you know she's just like I don't know I want what 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 does she say um I don't know there's a lyric that sticks out that I'm remembering now that's like something about screaming your name on top of every roof in the city Mm -hmm. of my heart you know what I mean it's so adolescent it's And it's so unself consciously raw and vulnerable in that way. And I, I think a lot of her lyrics are like that to me. Yeah.
0: It was interesting that you said that there's nothing more vulnerable than being a teenage girl because I often feel that that's like the height of power mm. in so many ways. Because I feel like it's uh, like for many people, that's when you're at your like, you're just like physical prime. And I think, like, most desirable in a certain way.
2: That's so funny. I think this probably speaks to our very different experiences as. Well, I was girls. certainly
0: not at the height of my physical prime when I was. No, in, no, no. 16, of course but, not. Of yeah, course had... not.
2: But I think, like, you know, for me, what I as when I was a teenage girl, I felt very powerless, mm. very helpless, very like interpersonally. Yeah. Okay. And very full mm-hmm. of longing. Very dark in a way. Okay. Um, and also not at the point where I was yet being maybe perceived by the male gaze by men, yeah, um, yeah. So I think perhaps just my personal experience with adolescence lines up a lot with the figure that I that I see Mitski as. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Um,
2: yeah. Okay. So something that we were sort of talking about and or before this and wanted to touch on was I don't know how would you frame this like the. Mm the spectrum of rest or seeking rest versus seeking life force or something or
0: okay what I said was like on one end it feels like people are on their return to rest on the other it feels like they're about to ex- erupt yeah or, or like if,
2: if you you can you can frame it as everyone seems some oriented towards one of two things either oriented towards seeking rest or oriented towards seeking sort of explosive life force something like that yeah yeah and, yeah.
0: The, and we had talked about in book club about they um both have like self-destructive ends kind of you know or like self-destructive you yeah, know like and they're, they're kind they of both interconnected or they're almost kind of
2: like a yeah there's some i i think that mitski certainly in her music there is a seeking explosive life force to the point of death drive or something like there's mm. a lot of um there are a lot of pretty explicitly i guess self-destructive or death drive e lyrics yeah. like um yeah i mean from in uh what's it called um first love late spring yeah she's, uh, she's like one word from you and i would jump off off jump off this ledge baby yeah um in uh oh my god i forget the name of this song but it's also in bury Mean Make Out creek uh so if you need to be mean be mean to me I can take it and put it inside of me if your hands need to break more than trinkets in your room you can lean on my arm as you break my heart Mm -hmm. and then townie Mm -hmm. is i think like one of her very famous songs it's not my favorite song but uh, i want to love that falls as fast as a body from the balcony i want to kiss Mm -hmm. like my heart is hitting the ground Mm -hmm. even in later albums like uh i don't know puberty Two, be the cowboy whatever she's like i want um, someone looking over me while I come and someone to watch me die Mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm. that I mean it's very just no holds bar vulnerable and death drive
0: it's interesting that you see her as on the about to explode side of the spectrum yeah her lyrics have a certain violence to them Mm -hmm. right but I it feels to me like her hurt would manifest as withdrawing she feels like more likely to cry than yell yeah no you're (laughs) right I think
2: you're right I think that she does have some energy of you know I am a forest fire in one of her lyrics but Mm -hmm. even that song it's very slow and sad yeah there isn't there's certainly like bursting longing Mm -hmm. but there isn't really anger it is I think ultimately sort of withdrawing and I think there's also a lot of Mitski lyrics it's also not suggest- a lot of action yeah there's not a lot yeah, of action or agency kind of so there's I think not, of that, definitely not agency the
0: passivity which is so intertwined with at least what I see as her like sex appeal mm. or just yeah feminine portrayal is yeah she's much more like submissive ultimately even yeah I don't know no
2: I think that's absolutely true I think that she is a passive figure in in most of her lyrics. Um and I think ultimately. And that's she the longing
0: wants... is to be done to and be witnessed and be seen, right? Yeah. Not that she wants to like she associates power that she has yet to come into with a uh, waiting for someone to witness and do to her
2: that's true I think it's waiting for someone to witness her waiting for someone to do waiting for someone to accept or embrace but it's always waiting
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah there's a song in bury me at makeout creek called I will and I'm I'm kind of forgetting the lyrics right now but the the vibe of it is just like I will live with you and just witness all of your sort of debased humanness and Mm. you can witness mine and that's the ultimate sort of Satisfaction of my longing. And mm-hmm. I think that to me, she does have a lot of lyrics that are in that sense oriented towards rest. Mm-hmm. She just wants to be accepted mm-hmm. in a way that's calm. Mm-hmm. But there's not like this struggling to be satisfied even within that.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's something about like the way that romance seems to, like the type of romance she seems interested in seems much more on the return to rest then yeah like I don't know like it seems like she would like be likely to drown or something yeah there's a lot of
2: <laughs> yeah I think that there there actually are a lot of sort of domestic oriented lyrics yeah, like that
0: too you know
2: we can it will be we can live in this house in like I think the song is Texas Rezanoff or something it's in Barry Makeup yeah. Creek but it's like we'll live in this house in Texas and we'll just like you know it will be our hearth mm-hmm. you know yeah and that I think she is seeking a hearth and in her in the world of her lyrics that is unattainable Mm -hmm. but it is what she's seeking and ultimately that is this impossible rest Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. okay to the to the hearth point that's like the evolution of her teenage suburban bedroom into like hearth and housewife you know and so just more of the like interest in Americana, which I was joking to you earlier is kind of the most Japanese thing about her. Yeah. <laughs> being like... Interest in Americana.
2: Yeah. That's so true. That's so funny. <laughs> no, yeah, I think she is... Uh, it comes back. It's sort of like this horseshoe of coming back to this longing. She's longing for some sort of exhilaration in terms of love, but what that ultimately leads to is rest for her. Mm-hmm. Something
0: I like Like peace. That. And, and I think all of
2: her destructiveness yeah. comes from not having love or from being rejected. It's not necessarily innate destructiveness
0: right I guess there's something about the like longing that seems to speak to a feeling of lack of agency right and so yeah. that's why that speaks more all to rest to me because it's like okay what she's simultaneously like super frustrated within herself and trying to make peace with is her lack of agency and versus someone who it's like I'm destroying everything I touch I wish I could just be like take it down a notch you know like I think Mitski ultimately suffers from a um, not enough Versus too much. Yeah, mindset. I think so
2: too. I think it's um, yeah. That's I I think I I I happen to relate to that a lot. Yeah. Feeling not enough agency or feeling sort of too passive in the world. Yeah. As and sort of being being done to as opposed to overly agentive in some way that could also be destructive. Yeah. Um. But I, I yeah I think that and I think that that's what makes Mitski on so adolescent and also speaks to what makes her her music so quintessentially, I guess about womanhood, mm. which I think we can also dive into. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think her music
2: is all explicitly quite feminine. Um, there's this oceanic emotion mm-hmm. and then, as we said, it's a lot about powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that there is something that gestures towards like a sublime aesthetic aesthetic Mm -hmm. in her music Mm -hmm. and that's sort of vague. I'm trying to put my finger on what I even mean by that. Um, But I think what I mean is that like the way that you define the sublime aesthetic is being sort of small in the face of something grand and unknowable. So it's like, you know, if you trace a sublime aesthetic back to like paintings of Scottish mountains or something like that, Mm -hmm. it's like It comes from, you know, paintings of nature that evoke the feeling of awe, powerlessness in the face of something huge and unknowable.
0: But it typically is awe in the face of nature and something like massive and unpredictable and like chaotic, but ultimately like harmonious, I guess, as opposed to harmony that is achieved by intellect and processes of culture. Definitely. And so in that way, it is like always going to feel more feminine because it's about this just like inexplicable culmination of like power and beauty versus like the aqueduct system or something <laughs> that is like an achievement of skill and intellect and precision and uh strategy.
2: 100%. Yeah. yeah. And so it sort of makes sense in that vein. I think that all of her music is just about love. And mm. in, in that realm, she is always very passive and waiting for someone to come rescue her or come accept her or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and i think you know she incorporates so much nature lyrics yeah. like every every song has you know it's about um oh my god what are images like a uh, peach tree or like uh i'm but a shell bring me to your ear you could hear the tide where i used to be mm. I'm a forest fire and I'm the valley and I'm the forest and I'm the witness watching it. Mm-hmm. I stand in the valley watching it and you're not there at all.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bravo. <That> is, <laughs> I, I,
2: clearly I'm a bugging expert. <laughs> no,
0: it's so good. Um, um,
2: but yeah, no, I think that's, that's a really important part of it.
0: Do you want to just talk a little bit about like her live performance? Yeah, Again. definitely. So, you have you seen her a couple times I've seen her twice Mm -hmm. I saw her once
2: as I said in a college basement when she was like very new to performing Mm -hmm. and then I saw her again in maybe 2017 Mm -hmm. I think um right after I graduated college
0: what was she wearing I don't remember what she was wearing to be
2: honest um it was in Boston it was in sort of a, a larger venue I also don't remember what it was um And I remember being struck by how much she had grown into a performer compared Mm -hmm. to how she was when I first saw her. Mm You know, I mean, and this was when she was more famous. And I think, you know, the Mitski, when I first came upon Mitski as an artist, it was, I think, in 2013, 14, and she was not that famous yet. And the way that she was sort of presenting was very much just like plain white or like denim button down shirt, sort of hair in a ponytail, pimples very unglamorous very Mm -hmm. humble Mm -hmm. and that to me that close more closely suited what I got from her music Mm -hmm. I think obviously as she's become more glamorized she's played into the maybe more uh ghostly otherworldly Mm -hmm. priestess vibe Mm -hmm. um which makes sense but I think I'm more attached to that first
0: just like normal the plainness the plainness because
2: I think that the the dream that she is evoking to me is like what's going on underneath that plainness and this whole sort of magical unseen world underneath that humble plainness
0: mm-hmm.
2: i don't know so th- that that resonated to me the most and then i think i'm always a little bit confused about her performance after that
0: mm-hmm. yeah well i only saw her like i said at that at the show in where she announced that she was done with music right yeah. so this was that this was in End of 2019 in Central Park. She was wearing like uh, spandex shorts and knee pads.
2: Oh yeah, you mentioned the knee pads all the
0: time. <laughs> like, I know the, the knee, knee pads? pads have like that. That's just like the detail that I've latched to to like explain all that I find like infuriating and threatening about. I don't the even world know what that represents. Like I don't I mean, even I know what this that is. is. Okay, well, like to back up a little bit, you were talking about how she's like over the course of her career played more aesthetically into this kind of priestess like otherworldly ghostly kind of vibe which sure. i think is good and, and i actually
2: pretty like humble about it though like she's yeah. not a saint vincent she's just wearing like a flowy dress and that's the only allusion to that and she you always know? wears
0: those little leather shoes you know that oh, are i almost, don't even know she wears these like soft leather shoes that are kind of like uh, elvin like when she pairs them with that like flowy belted dress with the bell sleeves or whatever oh. but then it's like some pictures of her I'm like I'm pretty sure those are like nude jazz shoes that you would get at like Capizio which is like a ballet yeah. store. I just
2: but- don't <laughs> think her presentation is just what she is about and I'm, I'm okay with that but yeah. I can understand being a little sketched out by it if that's what you're looking at.
0: Well I was like down w- I'm down with that flowy dress jazz shoe vibe i think that actually can be like a type of kind of um like pastoral kind of uh oracle kind of energy that makes if that makes sense but i think the knee pads is decidedly outside of that and this relates to me to the um be the cowboy album cover where she suddenly you know she's in that um like old school bathing cap and she's getting she has like bright red lipstick and all these arms reaching at her like putting on the eyelashes whatever and oh, i guess yeah. it's meant to be like a metaphor about being plucked from an indie scene and, like, put through the celebrity machine or yeah, something. But I have to but be honest, was... I'm so
2: uninterested in that vibe. In exactly. That ta- I just, I don't care. The, it's, I wanna, not you know, it's not yeah, interesting. It's not interesting. Yeah, it's not
0: interesting, and it also, like, is such – Um, sorry. Oh, it's fine. Um, It's such a – like, it's just so kind of, like, level one – analysis of the culture machine or something yeah you know it's like a pluck from obscurity now like being made into a star like yeah and it just becomes
2: inherently inherently unbelievable because obviously
0: I believe that everyone
2: who becomes famous has to contend with what that means but ultimately no one can relate to that art you know it's just not also just keep it to yourself yeah you know what I mean like part
0: of part of what you have to handle in being like a a celebrity is just like coping with that do yeah. you know what I mean like this meta narrative of let me let my fans in on every element of change and difficulty that I'm undergoing it's just like keep yeah. it to yourself I do agree you know what I mean like zip it up like yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: You, you know careful what you wish for but I think it's like Mitski obviously is trying to be a star I have no doubt that that you know whatever that comes from an authentic place yeah. but I don't zip it up about the complaining about it you know yeah
0: and I almost didn't even like fault her it more seemed like I was like faulting her like art directors or something where they're like oh like what would be compelling to her fans is to be like the Mitski you've known and loved is you know like growing in popularity and let's let you in on driving I kind of feel
2: like I yeah no I agree I it seems like her art directors or whatever have taken over I kind of the farther away she moves from her original project the less interested I am and I think it's like you can actually just keep it the original project you don't just because now she's more famous and more in the public eye I I at least personally don't care about analyzing how that interacts with her project Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm Um, or I I mean I guess even in the should we talk about the Gia article
0: oh yeah. yeah yeah that's great so
2: the Gia article It was sort of, I found it pretty bland. I didn't really care about the take. The take seemed essentially to me, and I might be reducing it. I don't really remember, but it was something like, you know, Mitski's whole project is this intense rawness and authenticity and people feel like she really, really sees them. But like, how authentic is she and how much do we care? And I was kind of like, I don't even care about that question.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels like Gia's article was actually less of a close reading of... M- mitski and more a close reading of mitski's fandom exactly. you know
2: the whatever dream it is that we're deciding between us that mitski evokes is so sort of individual and interior mm. that th- the idea of sort of this cohesive fandom doesn't work with that or something mm. like it's like i saw a twitter chain that was like mitski fans need uh need a name um, like the Mitzketeers or something, which was a particularly <laughs> dumb one. That. It was, I mean, the whole thing was dumb, but people were like, oh, uh, tall children, which is a reference yeah. to a line in um, First Love Late Spring. What else was it? Townies based from the song Townies. Yeah. And like all of it, first of all, all of them really have to do with the overgrown teenager kind of thing. Um, and then second of all, it's like, oh, just the idea I don't like fandom for Mitski. I want it to be, like, an individual experience. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm.
0: So much of the music is about interiority, so to latch to it is, like, feels, like, special and unique, and then to, like, see the fandom united, it's like, wait, no, not that. It's exactly. not about connectedness and togetherness. Like, exactly. yeah.
2: It's actually, that's 100% how I feel about it. I think that's why comparing Mitski to Phoebe Bridgers, for example, Ugh. evokes such weird anger in me I'm like <laughs> I don't know why I care about this so much but like they are different and how dare you compare them
0: yeah I would you want to talk about Phoebe Bridgers for a second yeah maybe yeah. we
2: should just so initially when we were going to do the podcast we were thinking of doing Phoebe Bridgers and Mitski in one episode and then we decided mm-hmm. there was just enough to say about Mitski yeah and it didn't really make sense
0: well we basically realized that we wanted to say good things about Mitski and mean things about Phoebe Bridgers so it was like like, if you can't say something nice,
2: don't say anything at <laughs> all. And yet, and yet, here we go. <laughs> yeah,
0: but what is it about her that... I have a list, but I'm curious yours, of like what is just not not the vibe with yeah, her. Yeah,
2: so it's funny because Phoebe Bridgers is not really an artist that I listen to. I've liked some of her songs before. I found some of them catchy, but I've never latched onto her in any sort of meaningful way and had basically no opinion about her. Mm-hmm. And only when... Placing her in comparison with Mitski for the purpose of this podcast, did I become sort of a Phoebe Bridgers hater? Did it incite
0: such rage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what
2: is going on? But I think it's just listening. I mean, I just like Mitski's music a lot more. But I think it also just has more depth to me. I mean, to me, her voice is deeper. Her her lyrics are better and mm-hmm. more interesting. And I don't know Phoebe Bridgers, per, per, like you know, portrayal of herself as kind of an outsider girl just feels pretty fake to me like yeah. it's like you can't I think just the most uh obvious and like uninsightful take is just that you're a cute blonde chick and you don't even you the way that you look does not represent any outsider vibes to me and mm-hmm. it feels and obviously Mitski just not not being white also not being maybe as like conven- I think obviously Mi- Mitski's beautiful but the way that she looks is not just as conventionally attractive. And I think Phoebe's like, I'm an awkward weird girl
0: seems just more forced to me. I agree that she doesn't give any outsider vibes so her attempts to be like I'm overcoming this awkwardness and underdog thing just it's like no one can buy that. Yeah. But I don't even it's not like she's like a little sex pot or something. Like she doesn't she also doesn't give like pop star vibes to me. Yeah I don't I
2: honestly don't even know what she gives I think at the end of the day. For me it's not coherent.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well I yeah totally. Okay hands in every cookie pot. Hands in every cookie pot and the looking around vibe which you I say this so much just socially when we meet new people and I'm like I like them but also they're giving the looking around vibe right which is to me is like you're unknowable but not in a sexy mysterious smoke and mirrors way but in a like I don't even know what your impulses are because everything that is shown to me is just the result of you looking around analyzing and thinking what could be cool right to what audience and I feel like Phoebe Bridgers has this where it's like oh she wanted to pander to like sad girl rock Then she wanted to be like she wanted to be kind of a punk but it's just like like you're on like Jimmy Kimmel or something fucked Do you know <laughs> just like okay I'm like scared of you and then like I don't know she seems like uh, I don't know what not yeah, I, like I, don't, I don't even know enough
2: about her to comment that much beyond saying that I was talking about this with my boyfriend and he was saying <laughs> that Phoebe or he, I was like what is the vibe that you think Phoebe Bridgers gives. And he said, you know, kind of um, kind of quirky girl who is sort of reckless and gets you drunk before you take the SAT. Or something. And <laughs> I was like, I hate that and also you for liking that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. It's kind of just like, I've seen your type, I hate it, and I hate when it's successful with men. Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I
2: think Phoebe Bridgers does evoke that. I was actually talking about this with someone yesterday. Like, She does evoke some sort of like, you're being a pick-me girl, and I hate it. Oh, she's super pick-me,
0: and then she... Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> All of it. I don't know. I'm just like... But I also think she's, like, really cringe, and I hate when people can't see that, I guess. So that's just because the it's, The skeleton... Like- no, to? no. Why? I remember like when she was nominated for Grammys and then she like the day after she like posted this pictures with her arms like out as if she was like carrying like a bundle of stuff and then she was like me with all my Grammys. And, like because she didn't win, you know? Oh. Um, so I, she's being like, oh, me with all my Grammys. Oh, actually LMAO, I LMAO, like, I didn't win.
2: Okay. I think that's like a little funny, but I get it. Okay. Yeah. I think
0: I just like hate self-deprecation in any form. Oh, okay, okay. See, like, I love yeah. self-deprecation. <laughs> that's the difference between you and
2: me. I buy, I eat that shit up. I am just like, <laughs>
0: um, that's hilarious. Okay. Okay, wait, was there anything else to say? But um, I don't even remember what we were what talking
2: about. What were we about. talking about?
0: Oh, I guess just live performance. But we, this has come up a couple of times, but just um, in the Gia article, she talks about it. And in general, like her resistance to being like a representative of like, quote unquote, Asian American artistry or identity. And yeah. I think her reluctance to be a representative of a subgroup is something that like frustrated a lot of people and it's something that frustrated a lot of people about Gia Tolentino too you know there was right. like always this like demand for like why can't you explicitly address your Asian-ness in your work or something right
2: yeah. and Mitski really doesn't except for a little bit in um My Best American Girl but I feel like even that, that is not really like shoe-horned a about bit. that yeah, yeah I personally I felt like that did number one it exactly seems shoehorned and then number two that song is still just more about being an outsider than in in a general sense or feeling like an outsider than it is about specifically being asian-american yeah yeah So i don't know it's just like her projects are sort of more internal mm-hmm. i think to use that word the millionth time than it is anything
0: sort of it's not a political project certainly not yeah certainly not that yeah um okay Do you want to talk about the dream or like that? Yeah. Or was there any more kind of ancillary things you want to? I think
2: that's pretty much it for me. Um, Yeah, I feel like we've covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in in terms of Mitski, just to sum it up again, I think the dream is sort of being seen and embraced for all of your kind of really over-the-top emotions Mm. and sort of just entirely validated in that space of just longing mm. and emotionality and sensations yeah i don't know yeah. does that seem right i'm not sure if i'm quite getting that right
0: well i think you and i like extract different things from it I so do think, so I for think... me
2: that's i guess for me that's the dream is ha- having that space that feels so compelling to me which is that almost adolescent space of just heightened emotions and and being sensations able to of having that sort of elevated and respected and seen, mm-hmm. which I think Mitski, to me, that's her project.
0: And having that elevated and seen and respected outside of just actual adolescence. So it doesn't yeah. evoke for you so much nostalgia, but the idea that you could continue to live in that headspace and it would be accepted and revered in adult life. It's
2: actually in that okay. headspace is not seen as like melodramatic and
0: cringy but rather as operatic and beautiful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well okay I think that 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 actually is exactly the threat to me and we just have like an inverse relationship with with that space or something where it's like for me Mitski always kind of bordered on this just melodrama and indulgence and insistence on one's own helplessness that I found like annoying or incompatible with the way like I tended to approach problems in my life even as I wasn't necessarily proud of the way that I tended to handle problems which was by like being like, I feel extremely willful, basically. And so I think I, I like simultaneously, I was like frustrated by even seeing that and then also threatened by it because it was like, this works, you know? Yeah. Like, the, like I have a certain amount of embarrassment or just like distaste for my own willfulness. And so, to, but it felt like sometimes I could make like a logical, quasi-ethical justification for feeling very agentive. And even if it, like, ha- backfired socially or sexually or something like that, right? Because of, like, overly agentive woman is, like, not really something that anyone wants to be seeing.
2: Yeah, that's I, interesting. Does I that think. Make sense? Yeah, and I, I imagine that for... It's mm-hmm. sort of, like, the grass is greener, obviously. Totally. But yeah. I think for me... I, I agree that what... The dream that Mitski evokes is exactly the same thing as what is threatening about her. Yeah. I think the reason... That for me, it's the dream is because passiveness is seen generally as weakness. I think I'm a person who tends, who or at least historically has tended more towards passiveness than towards agency. Yeah. And while I'm glad that that has changed and I've become more sort of hands on the steering wheel in terms of my own life, mm-hmm. I think that there is sort of this compensation to passiveness that it's very open to the world, beautiful, sort of like I'm... At the mercy of fate, yeah, and that's very romantic, definitely. So there is sort of like this dark romance that feels that's imbued with passiveness that feels, for me, almost like a compensation rather than in itself the thing that you want. But yeah. I think I like that Mitski resonates with that space for me and makes it. I, th- I think she just captures very well that that feeling of I have no power, I'm passive to the world, and there's like this eyes open just waiting. That is very romantic and beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, when you said that passivity is tends to be equated with weakness, I agree with that. But it also tends to be equated with femininity, yeah. right? If like we think of femininity as just like uh, ritual behaviors of submission, kind of like right. in, a, in a grand schema. And so I think that like what was threatening to me um, and. Well, it was funny when you said you've put your hands much more on the steering wheel. I feel like the past couple of years has been a big project in, like, releasing the grip. And that has, like, benefited my life in so many ways, you know? Yeah, so that's I do, so funny. I do think it's, like, kind of – grass is greener, but also just more than that. Just, like, seeking balance in your life is always, totally. like, a worthy project that helps you out, you know? But, Absolutely. But I think that at the, at the height of Mitski's fame – 2018-ish with happened to coincide with the height of my lack of trust in world and just like, okay, I'm just going to strong arm everything that I want because I don't feel like – I feel like that's the only way that I'll be compensated in kind for my efforts or something. Yeah. Um, I think that the fear was always like, this is masculinizing and mm. therefore unattractive, you know? And so I think that was the threat of Mitski's music and to a certain extent Mitski's fan base too, which was like, oh this is like inspiring this is bringing together a lot of women who yes they may feel helpless and it may be easy to cast that as like indulgent or even like manipulative kind of you're still ultimately very attractive to the male gaze oh
2: see that's that's really interesting because I think so you know again when I was talking about Mitski with my boyfriend his take about her and he's also sort of a very agentive, not very sort of romantic person. I think that he's romantic in his own, in his own little ways. (laughs) We can debate that on another, on another episode. But I think that, (laughs) I think that, um, you know, his view of Mitski is while he likes Mitski as an artist, a little bit more like wallowing. And I think for me, that's the threat is, you know, Mitski is in my mind sort of elevating that melodrama to something that's respectable and that is art Yeah. but I think it can also be seen from a different gaze as kind of wallowing kind of yeah just essentially melodramatic in a Mm -hmm. way that's kind of just like eye rolly as you said that it sort of made me think of um, Leslie Jameson's essay that really famous what's it called it's like it's something like the theory of womanhood Emma's gonna look it up Oh, here.
0: Grand Unified Theory of Female Pain. Yes. I remember reading this essay. when we were in college.
2: Yeah, no, I actually read it after college, but I remember sort of thinking, okay, this essay is actually evoking, it's actually what it's talking about in the sense that I was kind of like, okay, I'm bored of this essay because it's just like pain, 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 saying the same thing over again.
0: and (laughs) It's basically like womb theory. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, and I think like what this... What this essay is sort of talking about is that, like, female pain has become sort of not very, or the portrayal of female pain has become not very artistically interesting anymore. Yeah. Because it's sort of melodramatically portrayed and simple. Mm-hmm. And yet the way that it's portrayed is always, always feels true to experience. So, how do you contend with something sort of being true to experience? But no longer interesting because we're not saying anything new. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, like women experience pain, we get it.
0: Right. So when you've lost the narrative tension around something that like continues to be be true and
2: powerful. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How do you deal with that? Somehow well, you that... just
0: need like better artists. You need right, like fresh sure. substacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need some like some old better guards of literature. For
2: sure. yeah. But I think it is it's sort of like it loses its respectability despite the fact that that's not really fair, you know. Yeah, I think you know the content matter, and the the force of the content matter sort of loses some of its respectability in the public eye, even though it's still always relevant content matter. Yeah. It just hasn't really like changed, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess this is kind of like not to dash this this point and this problem, but like this is kind of the the work of every era, right? Is like how do we make the what's that quote
2: I don't know it's like how do you
0: it's like how how do you make the mundane strange and how do you make the strange mundane
2: yeah sure so
0: it's kind of just like you know like every era and every like group of artists needs to find a way to talk about the same themes in a way that feels like fresh and urgent and I think maybe what we're saying is that like Mitski found a way to do that right or maybe not I guess that's arguable because I think
2: so um but I think that You know, the the threat of Mitski is that it is just wallowing and sort of loses its respectability in the sense Mm -hmm. that it's just portraying sort of melodramatic female pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I guess, you know, that subject has been, quote unquote, overwrought. And that's sort of what Leslie
0: Jamison's article is trying to deal with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My point, too, of her threat outside of just like what we already talked about is a threat that, like, lied to me within her, like, fandom. And so, anyways, just as foregrounding to this, I think of Mitski as really successful and as a star girl because she was able to put form and ground a culture that was, like, kind of, like, needing a mascot.
2: Yeah, in a way. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Where it's like,
0: especially like 2018, 2019, where it's like the height of kind of underdog politics to a certain extent and just like a prioritization of everyone was looking for a way that they could understand themselves as an underdog. Because I yeah. think that you were very incentivized to do that socially and politically.
2: Yeah, that's interesting for me. I think I would more say what it is grounding is like a not wanting to grow up. And sort of feeling sort of rebellious against the ideas mm. of, um, you know, adulting and responsibility. Oh, interesting. Um, it's sort of a a shift towards, you know, the, the recognition or maybe even the glorification of extended teenagehood.
0: Okay, yeah, that's interesting. And I guess for that time, that makes a lot of sense, too, because that's also kind of culturally height of like, Optimization, energy, and like exactly. efficiency, and like you know, this is there was a lot of tension around places like Sweetgreen and Reformation, and this right. kind of you know. And there was so- also
2: all the dialogue about like, um, you know, we can't ever buy houses because we're buying avocados, you know. The thing. Right, right. And a bunch of like, okay, just honestly, like, you know, middle finger to you for trying to get me to grow up in these ways that no or longer are longer even accessible
0: to us. Oh, so yeah. like
2: we might as well just. Remain in the sensations of adolescence. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. The the point I was gonna make though about her like fandom and the threat like posed therein, I guess, was about um, like. I guess at the highest level, like I just I remember just feeling really irritated that like what was at least in Brooklyn at the time just like mainstream culture. Like I said, like Mitski's playing in every single store you go into, and like like everyone at her concert is, like, dressed the same. Like, she very much is representing something that is, is, like, dominant in culture. For sure. But there's something about, like, her underdog self-positioning and, like, her fandoms where it's, like, just the classic thing of, like, people that are actually part of a dominant culture that understand themselves, that are addicted to understanding themselves as as a subculture.
2: Yeah. I guess I would argue that it feels like a – it is a dominant culture, maybe in in Brooklyn, mm. but in a larger sense, it's not the dominant yeah, culture. I guess, yeah. Like, I still don't think Mitski was ever dominant. Co- I mean, it, I guess the fact that she opened for Harry Styles maybe suggests otherwise, but in <laughs> general, I don't, I, I've <laughs> no, never no. seen Mitski as, like, actually dominant culture, just sort of, like, the top of, the queen of, like, quote-unquote subversive culture or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even know if she was really that subversive, but I think it's more just, like, as we were talking about, like, the underdog. Yeah, that she, certainly like, supposed, underdog. Like, queen of the underdogs queen or something underdogs. like that. And I guess what, I don't know. I feel like all of these other qualities that kind of encircle her about, like, awkwardness, humility, like, lack of confidence and agency. Again, this is why I said at the beginning, like, I'm fine for it to be just a personal problem, but I was really, like, offended. I'm offended by this, like, cult of just, like, Bad manners that seems to actually be very socially and sexually successful, and I'm just like, there's a million girls who just like show up and are just like, I'm shy pilled and just like (laughs) don't contribute, have terrible posture, are like feigning this humility, and yet they have, they're clearly aware of their like, the the sexual power that they contain by doing that, and so, and you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm just like. Wait, pull your fucking weight. And also I can't believe you win. <laughs> oh you know? my god, that is so yeah. funny because I think for me I can understand
2: why that why that is your perspective. I think for me I just was always genuinely very shy growing up, (laughs) so I think I'm seeing the other side of it that's just like oh no like these people are actually just shy you know and I I don't think they're I don't think it's um I mean obviously it's different for Mitski because she is at this point a superstar etc but I think in general the type that you're talking about I think it I think that I guess my opinion would be that it's perhaps not as curated as you think I don't, you know, no, I'm open
0: yeah. to it being not as curated as I think, but I, um, like it sucks so that I it help. wins because obviously, mm. but I think that's more like the fault of the male gaze and,
2: you know, liking submission than it is anything inauthentic that women
0: are doing to present that way. Okay, but see, at least that, like, you see the why it, it is threatening because it does contain a lot of yeah. power whether or not it's, like, intentional, intentional or curated, right? Yeah. Where it's just, like... We, we talked about the, the like root of the two worries of womanhood or just of personhood is like not enough or too much you know and I think for from being on the like too much end of the spectrum and worry it's like that's so threatening to see how successful like submission and shyness and like lack of participation is. right and, and you know, successful
2: in some ways and not in others you know like I think that coming from a
0: I feel like men always just love that, though. You know what I mean? I
2: guess. It's like the
0: sexiest girl in the group is always the one who is the most withholding.
2: Maybe the most aloof, but not necessarily the most shy. I think those are two different things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, Or just
0: like the, the... like a sense of mystery and distance and unknowability, you know, which like, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know that. I think it's actually possible to curate mystery mm. as much as I mean obviously it is but I think you would have to be looking at your life in such a curated sort of like I don't even know just you wouldn't be it would, able fall, to be apart it it would fall apart eventually probably sooner than you thought I think like yeah. when people are trying to curate their lives and their vibes that much it it's usually read as transparent
0: yeah um, well, do you want to talk about aloofness a little bit or like the power of it or? Sure. Why yeah. not? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's do it. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just in every dynamic between people, there is a push pull, you know, like in every relation. When I'm doing couples therapy <laughs> I, to bring in some therapeutic uh, expertise, <laughs> um, not expertise, but, um, I, you know, I, what I tell couple patience is like it's actually normal for there to be a push-pull dynamic like it's it's not representative of one person loving the other person more caring about the other person more it's just that it's impossible really to remain at neutral and if Mm -hmm. one person begins to push based on sort of more of you know an anxious attachment style whatever Mm -hmm. and then the other person pulls and vice versa yeah and I think that you know the same I think that's just very obviously just what happens with aloofness is that when you pull other people push yeah essentially other people yeah. clamor towards you yeah. so it is certainly an strategy but I but then I would I would argue that it's probably not always so curated or intentional I think it comes from just the way that people are wired and in their internal maps based on like how you how you should be
0: It was – she was representative of a time that I feel, especially at the height of her fame, again, 2018, 2019, was, like, very sought after, sad, contemplative, soulful, mysterious, and then also kind of, like, kind of kinky in this, like, vaguely concealed way, but that felt like there was, like – there was also kind of inviting of sexual conquest or something. And so I feel like – I've already said this, but it was – that type was something that I feel like I couldn't compete with or even understand on a personal level. And then this – I don't know does this make sense it does make sense it's funny because I think
2: I at once disagree with you and also think that probably most people see it like you do and Mm -hmm. I might be outside of the norm here I'm not sure I think for me Mitski is deeply not a sexual character and I think that um You know even the suggestion of Mitski as like any sort of sex symbol in any way even if it's in some sort of like obscured or buried way just feels not quite right to me okay for me I'm just like that's not her project and even you can see Mitski as beautiful in a way but I just don't see her as in any sense hot even in a buried way
0: yeah it's just too deeply buried and her lyrics aren't you know Maybe they're I all about like love, all the chicks not. who are like really sexually successful like we're also like not hot and i was like what's the appeal <laughs> i'm not vibing like yeah
2: i don't know i think mitski just doesn't she doesn't seem interested in in sexuality as a part of it like she's certainly very interested in In love, and almost kind of like this Jane Eyre way of like, I'm this plain, humble being who just wants to find this also maybe kind of ugly man, but who I can just talk to forever, (laughs) you know? Um, Like the underdog, but resilience of the spirit and shining through vibe. Yeah,
0: she actually isn't that interested in like sex and like she's very horny, but like in a more like (laughs) it's just like neurotic and emotional way. And it's not to me
2: in a way that like. Suits sort of the the male horny gaze at all, you know. Like I think it's just not obvious enough. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I think we I think we
2: do disagree on this, and that's okay. But I don't see her as sexual. I don't see her sexual at all. Certainly, people now see Mitski as like an attractive, sexually attractive figure, but like it's just because she's famous, Mm. and it doesn't feel in any sense. It it just feels forced to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and -hmm. like she certainly has a beauty to her, but it's just not. There's nothing sexy about it, even in, like, a forlorn and sort of, uh, you know, shadowy way.
0: Okay, well, to the shoehorn point, that's exactly why it was so weird to see her in knee pads. Mm-hmm. I was just like, what is the... Again, feel, what what's are the, the going on this
2: representing to you? Because well, I feel like... It, I don't
0: know. I feel like just, like, in rap music and pop music, that's always, like, a, what's the word? Not hyperbole, but, like, a, like something that's a stand-in for something else. Simple? I don't know. Not, like... A, like when anyone references knee pads, it's like to, because you're like giving head. Oh, okay. So I saw it as that. <laughs> I didn't even. But put that I did together. go with a girl who said something like she was like, "Oh, I think she's doing like roller derby hot," and I was like, "Uh, that's not tracking to me." But I don't know. honestly, neither is
2: tracking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Mitsky is trying to evoke giving head or roller derby, and I just this one is like up in the air. You know, hands open, <laughs> just between her and god i don't know (laughs)
0: um anything else i think that's it i think we have covered it this was good yeah this is so fun
2: (laughs) how do we end it
0: i don't know i guess like well i'd be interested to know if you think there's any artist contemporary or not that have that you've felt similarly toward like a, a relation to their their project
2: that's a really good question.
0: I know that you're going to say Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh
2: <my God>. <laughs> 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 Fucking kill me. Um, I mean, like, yeah, who doesn't? Maybe, like, I don't know, Leonard Cohen, but, like, okay, in such a yeah. different way. Maybe, like, Dennis Johnson is my favorite writer. Mm-hmm. I think I love them for similar reasons in that, I mean, Jesus the Son, obviously his most famous book. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves it. And it's extremely interior, very surreal, very magical, very kind of over the top lyrical, sort of justified by the fact that it's through the perspective of a, you know, a junkie. Um, And you know, I think I just, I love, I love that sort of operatic lyricism. And when it's, it's, when it's done with such artistry that it's justified, I think I I love that. And that's hard to do. Yeah. So I think that in that sense. Dennis Johnson, Mitski, same place for me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anyone who's incited as much rage. But sometimes it's also just about a craze, you know, that it's like, it's just irritating to keep hearing about, even if there's nothing you could actually point to as like, that you don't like or that. Yeah,
2: I think that's true. And I do think like. Or anytime there's like
0: a cult energy around something that like you either miss the bandwagon on or just like you aren't particularly drawn to, I think it's. For me, I tend to double down on my distancing from it, even though that's yeah. stupid. No, I
2: think I'm the same way too. I think that Mitski and Sally Rooney are two examples of crazes that certainly happened in the exact demographic that I'm part of, which is like Brooklyn Girl. Mm. And um, But both of whom I sort of got onto early enough that I really loved them and was part of the craze. Whereas right. that's not usually the case for me. In which case, like you said, I tend to distance as opposed to buy into.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. Because it's very, like, vulnerable to try to attach yourself to a scene. Yeah. I think. Like, I ultimately see... Yeah, I used to think of that as very, like, follower energy. And now I'm like, it actually takes real guts to be like, I'm going to hop on board and try to, like, be one with the best of this crew.
2: I agree. Because I think it it certainly takes at least in my mind, a certain amount of humility to be like, yeah. I'm not better than everyone else. And, you know, be, just because this is obviously like mass market mainstream, yeah. that
0: doesn't mean it's bad. Well, it's that and then it also takes a certain amount of like, like you have to be really good to make it in a lot of scenes oh, yeah. here. Even I mean, just, sure just as like a scene of consumers, something. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how often do I go to something like a reading or an opening or something and I'm like, everyone here is just like infinitely cooler and more well-read than me. Mm-hmm. you know and so I think that it's like if you're gonna really like be like okay yeah I want to play ball you actually kind of have to show out and it's much easier to just be like oh, uh, seems lame yeah for sure, you know? for sure right? the yeah.
2: seeming lame is definitely not like a intensely respectable impulse no to, no, you, no no you no know, yeah to, as opposed to giving things the benefit of the doubt and trying to understand what it is that it's evoking
0: for yeah. people yeah in general so cool all right all right well thank you molly thank you so much for having me <laughs> you were so great um would you like to say goodbye <laughs> <laughs> um
2: yeah um it was so fun to get to just dive into my sort of obsessive now that i've realized it love of mitski mm-hmm. um so thank you to mitski for defining a extended adolescent era for me <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay thank you molly thanks guys for listening and um we'll see you next time bye bye
1: i love everybody because i love you when you stood up walked away barefoot and the grass where you lay left a bed in your shape i looked over it i love everybody because i love you i don't need the city and i don't need you. all i need darling is a life in your shape i picture it soft and i ache. look at you strawberry blonde. reach out the car window trying to hold the wind Tell me you love her, I'll give you a grin oh, All I ever wanted was a life in your shape So i follow the white lines, follow the white lines Keep my eyes on the road as I ache Look at you, strawberry blonde, fields rolling on I love it when you call my name Can you hear the bumblebee swarm watching your arm? I love it when you look my way Look at you, strawberry blonde